0: Hey everyone, welcome to Better by Association, an original podcast produced by the Texas Society of Association Executives. I'm Steven Stout, one of the hosts for the podcast, and also serve as executive director for TSAE. And my co host is Katie Merkert, marketing communications director for TSAE. So, hey Katie, welcome to episode number three.
1: Hi, Stephen, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Although it's hard to believe we're already on episode three of the podcast.
0: I know. Moving
1: fast. But it's really been fun to work on this project with you.
0: It really has. And it seems time is flying by in season one. And we have already had some great conversations. But really quick, doing this podcast, Katie, as this is a new venture for us, that's not a secret. What have you learned so far about the process?
1: Well, it's still early. But I would say that before we started, the idea of doing a podcast seemed like a huge undertaking. That I was a little bit of afraid to tackle. Sure, sure. Uh, I think the main thing for me has just been how doable it is and how fun it can be to really try something completely new. Yeah, uh, I think that's been great. And On top of that, it's created opportunities for me to be a part of in-depth conversations with our members, which has just been a lovely bonus that I'm enjoying in the process. But what about you? What are you learning? For
0: me, it's getting over hearing your own voice so much <laughs> I mean, that it's been really the most interesting, I think. After listening to the last few episodes, I've identified a couple of phrases I say way too often, like 100%. Like when I'm agreeing with someone, I say 100%, which is odd because I never liked math growing up, especially percentages. But here I am saying it in my common vernacular 100% like eight times. So today I'm going to try a few different phrases when our guest says something that resonates with me that is not 100%. So wish me luck.
1: Yes. Good luck with that. And uh, I, for one, am happy for you and your improved math skills. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I wish you well on your journey for new responses. And um, the good news is that you'll have plenty of opportunity to practice them because today's guest will have some incredible nuggets that are sure to resonate with a lot of people.
0: I know she will. Today, we will be speaking with Annette Hicks, CMP, Vice President of Meetings and Events with the Texas Food and Fuel Association.
1: That's right. Annette has been a part of TFFA for 29 years and is responsible for managing the annual Southwest Fuel and Convenience Expo, in addition to other meetings and events. She also works to implement best practices for database management and assists the president and CEO with a 50-member board of directors. Prior to joining TFFA, she worked as a meeting planner and volunteer coordinator with Southern Union Gas Company for 10 and a half years.
0: Annette is a past president of MPI Texas Hill Country Chapter and continues to serve on scholarship and nominations committees. Her past service also includes board members of IAEE Central Texas Chapter, member of the Fort Worth Meeting Destination Advisory Board, and the Omni-Texas Customer Advisory Board. Annette currently serves as a TSAE board member, which we love her for that. Thank you, Annette. And she was the recipient of the 2019 TSAE Professional Excellence Award. Recently, Annette received the Southwest Showcase Industry Professional of the Year for 2021. Lots of feathers in this lady's cap.
1: No kidding. Well, before we get started, I want to say a special thank you to our Episode 3 sponsor, Visit Corpus Christi.
0: Yes, thanks to Visit Corpus Christi for supporting this podcast episode, which is just one of the many ways they support TSAE throughout the year. We are truly grateful for our partnership. Well, welcome, Annette. We are so happy to have you here today and just spend some time with you and soak in all your knowledge. So I just want to get right to it because I think we have a lot to cover today. One of the things we ask, Annette, from all of our guests is, as you probably heard in our space, as you've been around for a while, you will hear people say, you know, oh, I fell into associations by this way, or I discovered this industry because of XYZ. So what we ask our guests each time to kick off the podcast is sort of What is your association fall-in story? How did you fall into this industry and your current role?
2: Katie and Stephen, thank you very much for the invitation to be a part of this innovative journey that we're taking in podcasting for our association. So let me share with you my story. A colleague of mine from the gas company, this was back in the mid-90s. She attended a communications lunch meeting and she had heard that there was a trade show manager's position that was open at the Texas Oil Marketers Association. So when she got back to the office, she called me and asked me to meet her in the ladies' restroom of our building. (laughs) Very secretive. Very cloak and dagger, I like it. Absolutely. (laughs) She told me about a job opening with the Oil Marketers Association and encouraged me to apply. I wasn't really happy with my job and so I was ready for a change. So I went to her office so we could work on my resume, but she asked me if I had my resume and I told her, yeah, I have it in the car. It's actually on a floppy diskette. Do you remember? (laughs) I do. Yeah. So I ran to the car, grabbed my floppy diskette. And of course, this is probably close to five o'clock. Get to her office and we uh, work on updating my resume and she'd edited my uh, cover letter. And so the following day, I took that resume and I drove to the Toma office and I dropped it off in hopes that I would get a phone call. And fortunately, I did. And I interviewed for the job and I was offered the job a couple of days later. So I went back and thought about it. And it's like, all right, I'm ready for a new job. So I wrote my resignation letter to the gas company and left after 10 and a half years of service with them. And on the first day that I started with Toma, I would learned that I had to sell booths for the trade show, which was the new job. Right. But the trade show and the convention was scheduled in six weeks. Oh,
0: that's a lot of work real fast.
2: So I had to get on the phone and start selling booths, but there was a big problem. The equipment, the office equipment. Oh dear. No PC. Oh, 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 oh. no printer. We did have a fax machine. Oh, well, that's something. We had a laser printer. Oh, but that was about it. So yeah. I had left an office that had great equipment. And I get to the association's office, and there's this old IBM computer and a huge printer in a print room where you had to walk in, open up the door, get down on your knees, pull the tractor feed, rip it off just to get your report. Wow. But I didn't even know how to write reports, oh. much less print out name badges. But somehow we got through it. We packed up and we went to Dallas. So on my first move-in day at the Info Mart in Dallas, I was pretty overwhelmed with emotion at the sight of the trade show moving up. So the show starts and everybody's happy. And then all of a sudden I get a walkie-talkie urgent message from Jackie Davidson Sr., who was our security and show manager.
0: Great man and a great show manager.
2: Absolutely. Just think of him fondly. So he calls me on the, uh, on the walkie-talkie to let me know that two health department inspectors were at the show and they were going to shut the show down. Oh, no. So I asked him, what did I do wrong? He said, yeah. you didn't. He said, but these two inspectors are shutting the show down because they want three five-gallon buckets in each food booth. One bucket with hot water, one with soapy water, and one with cold water. And each of the food vendors had to have a health permit, but I told him I've already applied and paid for a health permit and I have it here. Sure. He said, yeah, well, you know, you did the right thing, but the inspectors want three five-gallon buckets in each of the booths. Oh, goodness. So I'm trying not to cry and scream because my first show, really, I'm not sure what I was supposed to do next. So he calmed me down and he said, well, we'll figure it out. Well, the health inspector told me that she needed my driver's license because she was going to submit a citation for the show. Dang, okay. So I'm at the Infomart, Mart, but I don't have my driver's license with me, and I had to get on the bus and ride back to the Anatole Hotel, <laughs> get through that huge lobby, get to the elevator, up to whatever floor I was on, get my driver's license, come back down, back on the bus, back to the info Mart, And I received a $150 fine for the show.
0: I had like a lot of fuss for $150. It was.
2: So because I agreed to accept the fine, they allowed the show to continue. But in order for me to have the show open the following day, I had to go to the health department the following morning and pay that $150 fine. Wow.
0: That's your first show?
2: First show. I stayed after that. I'm still here. I don't know how, but I'm still here. Jackie son and I actually took a taxi. Again, I'm aging myself. Sure, sure. Over to the health department, we paid the fine. Got back, show was open, didn't have any problems. But when we got back to Austin, my exec was so upset and very mad about the situation that he wrote a letter to the head of the health department and copied the mayor of Dallas and the exec for the Dallas Convention Business Bureau and reported how we had been treated and the fact that we weren't gonna come back and show in Dallas because of this treatment. But I actually learned a big lesson and that was, what do I need to do to be in compliance with the health department? Which I had because I had purchased a permit, but the underlying factor was it was a private show. So that health permit was to cover the whole show since it was private. If I was a public show, then I, of course, would have to buy a permit for each of the vendors. As of today and all these years later, I always applied for a health permit, provide the information and indicating it is a private show, and provide the list of food vendors that are in the show and what they're actually serving and what they're complying to through the health department. It was a good learning lesson for my very first show after being on the job for six weeks.
1: Wow! Yeah. So, that's what I can't believe. What a huge lesson to learn, and it sounds like you know it stayed with you. <laughs> yeah, it is a defining moment in my life
2: with the association.
0: So, and if nothing else, if anyone learns today, is apply for the health department passes because that seems sounds really important.
2: <laughs> it it really is, and and I understand. I mean, we have exhibitors that are you know making pizza, they're frying chicken, they're making sandwiches. They do this for a living. They go to more shows than I go to. And sure, so course, they, they know the rules, that they know the safety factor of handling food. So it was a good learning lesson. And to this day, in fact, next week on my uh, schedule is to send my letter to the health department in Fort Worth and get my application processed and wow. health permits. So yeah, that's part <laughs> of the planning process.
1: The more you, you know... <laughs> the more you know, the better it is. Correct. <laughs> That is quite a story. My goodness. I love it. From for, the secret bathroom meetings to... To the floppy diskette. Major, yeah. major lessons learned in six weeks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what a floppy diskette looks like, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your save button. Today It's called a flash drive.
2: There you go. A, same yeah. yeah. purpose.
1: Well, it sounds to me like your first 6 weeks was good training. We've had a lot of challenging times lately, especially for the meetings and events team. So what do you feel like was your top 3 challenges to overcome in the past few years? Well, my first challenge
2: was educating myself with the COVID guidelines and participating in webinars. Yeah. And learning how the meetings industry was adjusting to the pandemic. Your sure. I also called a number of my colleagues and friends to check on them and ask what they were experiencing because I wasn't alone. So I reached out to our community and learned from some of my planner friends what they were dealing with. And it was the first time I really felt a sense of vulnerability, not only alone, but with the group because it was new territory. We'd never experienced anything like this before. But reaching out and having support was a really big plus, especially since we were learning, I was learning how to work from home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Secondly, learning how to use Zoom. I have to thank Angelica Staling with the Texas Association of Builders. She had called me, I believe it was probably the first week of April or the last week of March. Yeah. Talking on the phone and kind of sharing our experiences. And so I asked her if she was using Zoom. And she was. I told her, I, I don't even have an account. I don't even know how to use it. Yeah. So she was kind enough and helped me set up an account. And we held my first Zoom meeting together. So my thanks to Angelica for really helping me out.
0: That's awesome, Annette. Because, I mean, I feel like prior to all this time, Zoom was kind of like just something we maybe sort of messed with a little bit, but didn't really live in like we do today. Because I remember Skype having kind of a big moment oh. and Skype going bye-bye. And then Zoom is just the like giant it is now, but...
2: I never used Zoom either prior to the pandemic. So, yeah. well, we use it every day now. It's I definitely, every day. It's part of our life. Yeah. Um, my last big challenge was moving our annual convention and our expo from June to September Oof. and then canceling the whole event.
1: Oh. Really bad.
2: I quickly learned how much competition there was with the corporate and association business moving meetings and events in Texas. It was really something to know that I wasn't alone because everybody else was in the same boat. Right. Those were my top three challenges.
0: And then let me ask you a follow-up question. So in the span of your career, how many times you had to full-out cancel an event? Never.
2: Yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely. Whoa. I love, whoa. <laughs> I'm thinking back, 9-11. Oh,
0: yeah. Mother oh, wow. major world-changing yes. event. Yeah.
2: Thanks for asking. Yes. Nine eleven. I had I had a hundred and twenty golfers that were supposed to golf that morning and I had nine speakers flying in.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: It was a almost a hundred and seventy five attendee meeting. Wow. So yes, I did that. Thank you for but, reminding but, me about that.
0: But it takes world changing events for you to have to cancel, it sounds like right. it's not something you do very often.
2: Not very often.
0: Yeah. Wow. And then of course the COVID restrictions, they were changing like every hour, it felt like, uh, as we were learning, you know, getting announcements. Of course, Texas is a little different. We opened up a little sooner than other states. But do you all remember we were wiping our groceries down?
1: We mm-hmm. were like,
0: yes. and you wipe them and you put them over here and then you wipe yeah. them. So like keeping up with that, that was a full-time job, I felt like, keeping up with the
2: meeting standards as well. No kidding. And also uh, reading the CDC website every day. Every day. It was changing every single day. And then, of course, trying to find masks and trying to find sanitizers and clothes, all that that we needed to just to be safe. Yeah. So it was a trying time. It really was.
0: Well, it's for everybody. Um, But now, Annette, people are calling our current time sort of a seller's market. So what are ways that you're combating the rising prices of all things, meaning that's F&B, AV, logistics? What are some of the things you're doing to sort of fight the rising prices?
2: Well, I'm limiting coffee service at our meetings
0: okay um, how is that going because coffee is kind of an addictive chemical
2: it uh, is well, and
0: i've I got get very angry
2: i've gotten to the point where i'm just serving a gallon of regular and a gallon of decaf and when it's gone it's gone
0: oh so it's like first come first serve hunger <laughs> absolutely may, may the odds be ever in your favor <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh I'll, I'll actually stay after a session and pick up coffee cups and if there's coffee still in those cups I take them and I put them in front of the coffee service table so people can see they'll be wasting coffee.
0: <laughs> kind of a, a lesson while you're doing that. That's great.
2: Yeah, That's right. I've also cut back on morning and afternoon breaks, food-wise, and I've cut back on welcome reception food. So I made sure that with our receptions, a small amount of food And if folks want to eat they can go to dinner afterwards we'll do an early reception so folks will have an opportunity to go and have dinner afterwards and how has that been received by your attendees it's been fine they've enjoyed being able to network at a reception and then go off with a particular client or a new client so no it's worked out well we're also cutting back on additional meeting space to save on our a b cost we're actually trying to schedule our meetings so we're not having to use too much space, although that's, that's still a challenge. And I'm also really paying attention to additional fees that are incurring in our meetings. Recently at my legislative summit meeting, our finance committee asked for our CPA if uh, he could Zoom in at the board meeting. Sure. So I contacted our, our AV vendor at the hotel and asked about adding that to our contract so I get the proposal and I noticed that there's a $998 charge for Zoom. So I called my contact and I said, why are you charging me almost $1,000 for Zoom? And he said, well, you want your board to hear your CPA on Zoom and you want your CPA to hear your board asking any questions. I said, well, sure, but not at $1,000. So absolutely not. I actually cut that had to explain to the executive committee, to the finance committee, that we weren't going to waste $1,000 for questions that were going to not even take 15 minutes. So you really have to pay attention to your A-B costs.
0: And that's an education piece, right, for your members? Because they'll just say like, oh, just phone them in. Let let them phone in. Like it doesn't cost, like it's very quick and easy to do.
2: Well, we actually announced it at the board meeting. Good. Yes. Just so folks would understand that, you know, Yes, this can happen, but it's at a price. We weren't willing to spend $1,000 for 15 minutes. And that was received well? Uh, it was received. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I've also recently encountered a meeting room rental on a contract that we were working on. And I called my sales manager for the property and said, why do I be in charge of meeting room rental when I'm? I know I'm gonna exceed my food and beverage costs? And she hesitated for a minute, and then she just very quietly said, well, that meeting room rental is covering labor to set up your meeting rooms. And I said, oh, so now I have to pay for labor on top of all the other expenses that I'm incurring. So that was something new that I hadn't seen before. So yeah. I'm going to have to be on the lookout for that.
0: And I think that's a good point. And I, I mean, we our world has changed, and on the hospitality side, the world has changed. So- we, they are probably being asked to do things they've never been asked to do before, like charge you meeting room rental for labor. So I think it's good on both sides to keep our eyes open. I feel anyone who's doing sort of like the rinse wash repeat from the years pre COVID will like you, you like you said, will get sort of shocked by some of these fees that are now have to be included based on the management requirements. So that's a good advice. You gotta even even if you've been doing it for years, you gotta watch every little thing.
2: Yeah, it's a an eye opener. Uh, I've actually taken past 80 bills and compared them to what we're dealing with now. And there's a significant increase in costs. Absolutely.
0: I like that your response is this calls for a spreadsheet. Let's compare the two and see what we find.
2: Yep. Me and Excel are pretty close.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's really wonderful. All of that is just such incredible information and such a good thing for us all to really think through with event planning. Let's take a quick break for a word from our episode sponsor, Visit Corpus Christi.
0: Looking for views to wow your attendees? Corpus Christi has multiple venues to give you the scenic coastal experience with their Convention Center just feet away from the Breezy Bay. When you're in the Gulf Coast capital, you do things your way. So when you plan your meetings there, you're letting your attendees own the coast with perfectly suited accommodations within minutes of the Convention Center. With the views, accessibility, and convenient proximity to local dining and unique attractions, Corpus Christi provides exceptional value for meetings and unforgettable memories. Come coast with us.
1: Switching it up a little bit, what's the best piece of advice that you have ever been given?
2: Well, my first boss with the association said to me, and I quote, Annette, don't ever forget who you work for and how you spend their money. You represent all the association members in your job, end quote. And that is, uh, that's something that has stayed with me all these years. I'm responsible for a pretty concise budget with our association. And I need to make sure that those monies are spent correctly and wisely. Our members are on the front line delivering fuel and providing convenience items in their stores. And, you know, they're careful how they spend their money. I have to be careful how I spend their money. So... That advice
1: has stayed with me all these years. So really thinking of the big picture and who is all affected by these decisions. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel and I feel like sometimes for those who have been doing it a while that we might lose that perspective sometimes. So I think it's probably a good reminder at in staff meetings or at board orientations, kind of like whose money we're actually like spending in all these decisions.
2: That's correct. It's a big job to to handle and a responsibility that I, that I take very right. very personal.
0: It's an honor, right? Like, it's not only responsibility, but it's, it's an honor that people are entrusting you. You know, we're giving these dues payments. We're giving whatever donations. And, and we want you to spend this for the best of the industry. And that's kind of incredible. But it's, it is it is easy to lose that perspective, though, when you're, like, working so much and so busy and going from project to project to project. You just sort of might easily lose sight of that. So I love that you brought that up because I think it's really important. And what a great piece yes. of advice.
2: Yes. Yeah. Something I hold true until today and always.
0: So, Sticking with the advice theme, Annette, what advice do you have for planners trying to work through this, what people are calling the new normal right now?
2: Well, my first piece of advice would be is to find a mentor. Okay. Reach out to your meeting planning friends and colleagues and your suppliers, the affiliate members. They are our best resource. There's no need for us to struggle when our community has a wealth of knowledge and willing to share I would also say to all the next generation that's starting in our hospitality industry, I encourage them to sign up and read TSAE's exchange, the online member community. It's a great resource. I enjoy reading it in the morning, and I've shared a lot of material with those who've asked for assistance. There's some really good ideas out there, and that to me would be a, a real good resource for planners that are just trying to get through a situation. Don't create the process. Reach out to those who've already experienced it.
0: Great. Thank you for that plug. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I, th- yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice, right? Because I feel sometimes when you're in your space and you're in your office or you're in your org, you kind of feel like you're in this alone. This is my problem. I got to figure it out. But our community is so great. All our community is so willing to share and help. There's not this huge like competitive nature between different orgs as much as I've seen. Especially when people are just looking for work resources, like how to do something. More often than not, people are willing to share. Ninth of the ten, they stole it from somebody else and resharing that. So, and that's kind of how we all arrive. You know, what do they say? Um, copying is the best form of flattery, or, or what? Save, save you yeah. and yeah, imitation. There you go. We, that's how we live. That's how we survive. You know, we don't, especially those with a small staff, we still have the time to like recreate something from scratch. And leaning in in the community, I think, is really, really helpful for big, small, medium sized orgs.
2: Absolutely. If you need to put together a new RFP for a meeting or even for a particular type of service that your association provides, or you need some new function sheets, reach out. All of us have good tools that we're willing to share
0: yeah
1: well, and it sounds like you and that have what I have heard of as the most beautiful RFP ever. Steven has seen it, and uh, he can vouch for it.
0: yes, I one hundred percent vouch for it uh, because <laughs> it is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. and I took a lot from it. so i've I've seen you speak at other sessions and industry events and that and you shared that in that session, and I it was probably worth the whole price of admission to get that document. So that's why I was like, oh, yeah, let's ask an RFP question.
2: <laughs> oh, well, thank you both for the nice compliment. I, I yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, okay. So with that, what are the three most important components for someone to include on an RFP? Well, provide a lot of detail about your meeting. I include a full
2: breakdown of my agenda, my space needs, my AV needs. I provide everything. There's no need to just offer something just to get a date or space, provide all of your data. The second thing that I would include, and I feel very passionate about this, is to state your flexibility on the proposed meeting dates and patterns. I will submit a couple of dates, but I always indicate if these dates don't work, let me know what you have available. Let me go back to my leadership and let me try to make an alternate date or pattern work. So don't let the RFP just dictate that one date. Share that you're flexible. The last item that is important to me is sharing the value of my meeting. What is it worth? I was recently asked by a supplier if I knew the value of our business and I indicated what that dollar amount was. And that supplier looked at me and said, you know, there's a lot of folks that don't know what the value of their business is and you obviously do. And that's important because you need to share that and get it across that, you know, you are worth Considering, I also provide my F&B and AB budgets. I include the full amounts. Yeah, okay. I think that's important. Uh, there are times that I'm going to have to cut back, but uh, most of the time I, I can pretty much stay within budget if I can. One last part of my RFP is that I always like to call my hotel or my DMO sales manager contacts. I like to announce to them that I'm going to send an RFP. To me, it's oh. just part of the hospitality and the courtesy. And again, it applies back to the value of my meeting to yeah. take time to pick up the phone and let them know, I would like to do business with you and I'm going to send you an RFP and I look forward to hearing back from you. I ma- imagine that's unheard of now. People are just emailing them
0: like gangbusters. So that's incredible in it.
2: Well, I'm a baby boomer. So I, I, <laughs> I, I want to see somebody. I want to talk to somebody. I want to hear from somebody. So... That to me that's important, and it's part of the hospitality that we provide to our members, to our colleagues, to our friends. It's a lost art, and it needs to come back. It's important.
0: Yeah, that's great. When you say find the value of your meetings, how do you find the value in your meeting? What exactly do you mean when you say that? Because I want to make sure listeners know when you say find the value that you know they know what you're talking about.
2: Well, to me, the value of the meeting is not only the expense at a property. Also, I take into consideration the amount of my attendees that are attending and what they're spending to get there. Most of my members drive. Sure. Their driving cost, their overnight stay or a couple of nights stay, what they spend at the bar, because my folks like to enjoy the bar for a lengthy time.
0: That's unusual for an association group to enjoy the bar.
2: Oh, of course. So to me, that's just as important that I know exactly what my membership is spending at my meeting on top of what the association is spending on the meeting. So to me, that is the value of our business. I may not get the cost to the dollar, but I pretty much know what our members are spending as far as their drive time, um, their stay, eating, entertaining. And to me, that's just as important as that.
0: You're essentially... Providing the economic impact of your people coming to whatever destination you're sending the RFP to.
2: Yeah, exactly. And as associations, you know, we're competing with national groups and we're competing with corporations. So to me, that's very important to be in the same playing field with them. So that's a real important part of my uh, RFP process. I'm willing to share my RFP if anyone would like a copy of it. So. Yeah, we might do that. So also, Annette, having done
0: an RFP and we talked about how beautiful it is and all the good things, is there anything different you include now that you did not include before 2020 or the COVID-19 pandemic?
2: Well, I've kept my RFPs the same since COVID, but I'm going to start adding copy that indicates that our general counsel will be reviewing our force majeure clause and edit the clause so that might extend my timeline in getting a decision And I think it's important that my supplier contacts know that may have to have a few extra days to get a decision made, but that's something our general counsel is really adamant about is reviewing the force majeure clause. And have that been
0: received on the other end, like the property or destination when you tell them that?
2: Just appreciative that I'm sharing that information with them. Okay. Great. Yeah. You got to keep communications open. You need to be honest. Sometimes we don't like to hear what we need to hear, but We need to be honest and share the information. So that's something I'm going to start adding to my RFPs.
0: I imagine that probably builds your relationship better with these properties and destinations that you're sourcing. The fact that you have the sort of reputation for being very forthcoming and sort of sharing everything with them to get a bid back. Because, you know, there's so many different groups that may feel this is a different approach where they keep things, they don't share certain things with the destination or property, even though those might be an important factors for them to make the decision to bid on the business. So I imagine you have a pretty decent reputation amongst our supplier friends knowing that when they get your RFP that they, they know like, okay, she's told us everything in this. I know she has. So we'll work through it and call her with questions. But we, I think we have everything we
2: need here. A part of my personal philosophy is that if I can't do my job right, my supplier colleagues can't do their job right either. So I need to be forthcoming. I need to provide as much information. It's business. Yeah. Sometimes business works and sometimes it doesn't. It's not personal. It's business.
0: And you know, that's why I love you. You think about the industry and not the individual. I adore you for that. And I I hope people listening to this sort of hear you say these things and pick up that torch as well, because I just think that's, that's so fantastic.
2: Thank you. I have a a real passion for just making
1: sure that we all collaborate together and honestly.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: That's wonderful. While in this industry, what do you see changing in the future for meetings and events? Well, I believe the future of meetings and events will continue as it is today
2: with new technology. Technology is changing the way that we run and attend our meetings and events. And I have a new challenge myself and something that I have never done before, but I'm now involved with our Working with our new digital marketing manager in the production of social media content, website design, and e-communications to our members and exhibitors. That's something completely new for me. And it's part of the future. Yeah. Just got to get involved in promoting. And it's exciting to see how it works and the effect that it has. It's something new that our association, who's almost 75 years old, is just now getting involved in. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I love that you're a constant student. You're like, I want to learn new things. I I've been in this industry for a while, but I I want to I want to accept and learn and, and sort of break into all the new stuff that's coming out and leave at, at least know about it so I can be a better exact. That's awesome.
1: I love that so much, especially as a marketing and communications person myself you know like it's true that the more each department kind of takes on the roles and responsibility of marketing the better it is if everyone considers themselves part of the promotion and the marketing for the organization overall it's a great thing so kudos to you thank you and and you know this really holds true for all the
2: other areas in in association management not just meeting planning Sure. Not so much finance side, but, you know, government relations education wise. Yeah, it's new and, and it's it's exciting to see. I'm now working with the fourth generation in our association. So that fourth generation is very social media on track. Technology is going to change everything for all of us. Yeah. So.
0: Well, keeping with that sort of newness theme there, Annette, so I'm a new planner starting out. I've never done it before. I maybe planned my brother's wedding, and now I'm doing this. Uh, and I think it's the same, even though we all know it is not the same. Uh, what are some concepts or areas you feel that I should learn as a new planner as soon as possible?
2: Well, one of the first things I did was to invest in, in education. And I signed up for the Certified Media Professional CMP Study Course that's hosted by MPI, Texas Hill Country Chapter. I would suggest learning how to calculate food and beverage costs, <laughs> how to prepare a function sheet with all the details, Yep. and learn how to estimate guarantees on all of your F and B functions. Which is a skill in itself, I feel like. It is, and these functions are just as important today as they were when I first started many years ago. It's Crazy. But one of the items I would also suggest is learn who your audience is. About seven years ago at our annual convention, A board member came up to me and he asked why I always served a plated breakfast at our convention. So I explained to the board member, his name is Phil Morsey, that because we were at a prayer breakfast, and it's a very formal prayer breakfast, I needed to to do a plated meal. And I asked him why he was inquiring about it. And he said, well, Annette, I would like to have eight pieces of bacon, not just two a <laughs> little bacon question and i looked at him and i said phil eight pieces of bacon he says yes i always get two on a plated meal and i would like eight pieces of bacon it's very specific
0: as instead of like a couple more i want eight <laughs> i want one two three four five six seven eight
1: hey don't mess with people's bacon
2: yeah apparently bacon no. and coffee man no way So <laughs> oh, i said okay phil i'll see what i can do next year so the following year At the prayer breakfast, I had two buffets inside of the ballroom. And I was hiding by the AV area. And I was watching for him to come into the ballroom. So he comes in, doesn't see me, and he walks to the buffet. And I can see him putting a lot of bacon on a plate. So I watched him walk over to the table. And he sat down in there, beginning to eat. And I waited a few minutes, and I walked over to the buffet. And I put eight pieces of bacon on a plate. And I walked over to the table and I put my finger over my mouth to make sure that everyone at the table didn't say anything because I'm walking up behind him. So I walked up behind him, put my arm around him, and I said, good morning, Phil. I think you're missing your eight pieces of bacon. And I put the plate down in front of him. And of course, he looks up at me and just busted out laughing. The whole table is in a roar because I'm bringing eight pieces of bacon and he already has eight pieces of bacon. (laughs) now he's at 16, I imagine. Now he has 16. So I had to explain to the whole table the, the whole reason I'm coming with eight pieces of bacon. So the moral of the story is know who your audience is. That was one of my audiences who really had an impact on this is what I would like so all these years later i still serve a buffet breakfast and he still gets his eight pieces of bacon That'd <laughs> that's wonderful that is really good so to finish your question i would also suggest a new planner join tsae join mpi texas hill country chapter and join iaee central texas chapter volunteer and get involved meet other planners and other professionals ask for their advice Ask them to help you with questions or on issues that you might have. And like I said earlier, find a mentor. As a TSAE board member, one of our strategic initiatives this year is understanding member needs to create value and drive growth. We're working with staff on a new mentorship program. So stay tuned for a formal announcement. (laughs) Thanks for that preview. I love it. Thanks again for the plug. (laughs) Uh, Well... Let me also say that I have a mentor that I reach out to, and I ask her for advice and encouragement if I'm in a situation that I need a a little help with. Right. So all of us need a mentor that we can lean on, and you can find them in any of those three organizations. Yeah. I love that you said that,
0: Annette, because your experience in in the space, some people talk about mentorship as if it's only for people who are new to the space. I feel we all need that sort of inner circle that we go to like, hey, I got a problem. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what, how to approach this. What have you, have you guys ever done this before? Do you have any advice for me? Cause I can only see it through my vision and I'd like your collective smarts to help me figure this out. Everyone needs one. Absolutely. All levels. All levels. Okay.
1: Great tips. I do want our listeners to know that we did not. Pay or prompt
0: in <laughs> She has not been prodded or you're not slipping her 20 on the table.
2: As a board member, it's important for me to share these things. I take the position very seriously and I'm passionate about the fact that I'm serving and I'm, I'm volunteering. So yes, Thank we love you. that. You
1: so well, you may have already answered this then, but uh, our standard final question for this podcast is always, why TSAE? What keeps you coming back? Well, the members and engaging with them at TSAE
2: events. And in fact, next week we have a TSAE Open that's scheduled off. So it's a great opportunity to engage with our members and see our friends and colleagues that we may not have seen for, I guess, since Christmas. Uh, Also the networking and the education opportunities that TSAE provides are well-planned and usually very timely. That's a real important part of just being a member of the association, and I've enjoyed being a board member, and I'm now finishing my 30-year term, and I can wholeheartedly say that TSAE is more member-driven now than ever, and we're definitely better together.
0: Oh, thanks, Annette. That's so great. And another $20 for using our slogan, too. Better (laughs) together. Well done. Annette, we have enjoyed our time with you today. Thank you so much for letting us just be sponges and learn from you. I think well, you've just you. really great nuggets about meetings and events, especially because it's such a popular topic with every layer of the association from the CEO all the way down to maybe the admins. Everyone's sort of thinking and, and working on meetings and events right now with the rising costs and the different markets we're working in. So uh, it felt very timely to have a conversation with someone like you, your experience in this space. So thank you so much for your time. We really, really
2: appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation today and experiencing being on a podcast. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And like I said earlier, find a mentor, reach out. There's plenty of us out there that are willing to help and share. And that's what makes our community great. Okay. A pro,
0: just summarizing all her points she gave in the last hour. So thank you, Annette, so much. Perhaps your next role will be podcast host or something.
2: Oh, that would be fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thank you to Annette for joining us today. And thank you again to Visit Corpus Christi for sponsoring today's episode.
1: Join us each month as we have more conversations with members from the association community. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you'd like more information about the Texas Society of Association Executives, be sure to visit us online at tsae.org. And on behalf of TSAE, I'm Katie Marker with Stephen Stout. See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening.